I had this thought at prayer meeting on Tuesday night that the early church experiences most explosive growth during a period of lockdown. There were 120 believers in that upper room. They weren't going out. They weren't witnessing in the streets. They weren't doing anything in a public fashion. They were basically isolated in an upper room for 10 days. And at the end of that 10 days, the Holy Spirit was poured out and 3,000 people were added to the church in a single day. And I don't know whether the church has ever seen growth in a single day. One church has seen that kind of growth in a single day and out of a period of lockdown, essentially, they were in isolation. And I really feel God is saying, what are you believing me for in this time? Have you put the pause button on Christianity? Have you put the pause button on the advancement of the kingdom of God? Or are you trusting God that this time of isolation, this time of lockdown, could be the most explosive growth you've ever seen in the church, in your life, in whatever sphere of uh, involvement you have in the kingdom of God? Are you believing God for explosive growth during this time? Or have you kind of taken the car out of gear and put it in neutral and you're just coasting along and you're going, well, I hope this, I hope this kind of isolation period ends soon so that I can get back to normal life. We're, in the kingdom of God, I believe God wants us to believe for explosive growth right now. We might go on for another six months. Who knows how long this is going to go on for? And we can't afford to put pause on what God wants to do. He wants to use you, and He wants to use you right now in the situation that you're in. This morning, I'm going to be speaking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. We've got up to chapter 12, and we're going to have a look at uh, the next couple of verses. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. Verses 4 to 7 we're going to look at today. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help one another. And this morning, what I want to talk about, I want to talk about two things regarding the gifts of the Spirit. First of all, the nature of the gifts, and secondly, the purpose of the gifts. Now, I don't know where all of you are at in terms of uh, your kind of perception of the Holy Spirit or your acceptance of the work of the Holy Spirit. Generally, what I've found in Christian circles is that there are two camps there are people who totally embrace and who love the work of the Holy Spirit, who love the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they want to operate in them. They want to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. And then there's another camp who are kind of like, yes, you believe in the Holy Spirit, but you don't want anything to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or you kind of don't want any, any involvement with uh, the, anything supernatural. And the reason for this is that when the Holy Spirit arrives on the scene, He electrifies the fence. So there's no fence sitters. Everyone has to choose what side of the fence are you going to be on. And I'm really hoping that this morning that you are going to feel stirred by the Lord and stirred by the Word of God to embrace the Holy Spirit, 
to embrace the gifts of the Spirit and to allow God to use you in, in, in the gifts of the Spirit. So let's have a look at the nature of the gifts of the Spirit first. So there are four things I want to say about the nature of the gifts of the Spirit. Number one is that they are gifts. They are not fruit. They are gifts. Verse 4 says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. That means they cannot be earned by merit. They are given by God and we must simply receive them in a single transaction. If I were to give you a gift, you receive a gift in a single transaction. There's no period of waiting. There's no, well, let's see if you mature. Let's see if you can handle this. It's just, I give you a gift, you receive it, you've got the gift. That's what we're talking about here. The gifts of the Spirit have nothing to do with a Christian's level of maturity in the Lord. In fact, the fact that someone brings a prophetic word in a church meeting has nothing to do with how mature they are as a Christian. They could be a one-week-old believer and bring an accurate prophetic word because prophecy is a gift of the Spirit. Now that doesn't mean that we should just accept whatever people say because the Bible does say that we, when a prophecy is brought or when a gift is brought, we should evaluate what happened. We should evaluate that word. And But here's the thing. When you look at the Corinthian church, you don't really, I, when I look at the Corinthian church, I don't see a bunch of mature believers. In fact, Paul is writing in the letter of, of 1 Corinthians and he's correcting a whole lot of behavior that really, when you look at it, a lot of it is pretty childish. A lot of it is pretty immature. And yet Paul says to them, you, the thing I love about you is that you don't lack any spiritual gift. So here's a church that had a whole lot of problems and yet they had all the gifts. So remember that. The, these, these gifts of the Holy Spirit are gifts. They are not fruit. It has nothing to do with maturity. The second point is that at the beginning of the list and at the end of the list, Paul, says, Paul uses this phrase, to each one. And the second point is that, is that these gifts are available to all believers. They're available to you. And I wonder if you've you've ever received a spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit, you've ever allowed the Holy Spirit to walk, to work through you, and I want you to know is that God's will is that every single believer is used in some way with one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's no special category of Christians that receive these gifts. Doesn't, you don't need to be a pastor, you don't need to be a leader, you don't need to have some kind of recognize ministry, every believer should receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Can you receive this truth right now? Can you believe that God wants to use you to make a difference in the church? Not someone else, not someone who knows the Bible more than you, not, not whether you're a leader or not, but he wants to use you. Each one has been given a gift of the Spirit. A little later in uh, chapter 14, uh, Paul, Paul describes kind of in a general sense what a meeting looks like. Let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26. He says, Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, 
Another will tell uh, some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Now Paul is not saying that in every meeting we have to do all this. We have to have a song. We have to have a special revelation. We have to have a tongue. He's summarizing. He's kind of looking at meetings in a general sense. And essentially what he's saying, one does this, one does something else. One does something else. Every single person can have a turn at contributing. Now not everybody can preach. Not everybody should preach. But every person should have some kind of involvement in a meeting. And I, I recognize that on a Sunday, in our Sunday meetings, it's very difficult for this to happen, especially now that we're meeting online. It's even more difficult for that. But that's why we have smaller groups, so that in a smaller group context, every single person can participate. Everyone can bring something. Someone can bring a word of encouragement. Someone can pray for those who are sick. Someone can bring a prophetic word. Someone can have a word of knowledge as the Holy Spirit directs and as he gives these gifts. And it's possible that you can come to your small meeting and with an open heart and say, Lord, use me in this meeting. You don't need to be the leader of that meeting, but every single person can be used by God to build up the body of Christ. That's a wonderful truth. You say, well, maybe, maybe you're thinking that if, if you don't play your part, no one will notice. Maybe you're thinking this morning, well, uh, maybe, maybe God does want me to use in a certain way, but I'm too shy and it's okay. If I don't, if I don't get involved, there's, it's not a problem because no one will notice. Well, I want to say that's not true. God will notice. He notices and he's given you something that will, that will encourage the body, that will enable the body to grow. And if you don't play your part, we are poorer for it. And so I really believe God is speaking to some people here this morning where you've shut yourself off from being used by the Holy Spirit. Um, maybe you've had a failure in the past. Maybe, maybe you've tried to step out and it didn't go well and now you've withdrawn. Or maybe you're struggling with rejection and you, because, of, because of being rejected in the past, maybe you've been shut down or something like that. Now you've kind of closed up the doors and you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to minister through you. Well, I just want to say this to you. If the devil has robbed you of your past, don't give him your future as well. Give your future to the Lord. Make a decision today to say, God, from this day onwards, I'm not going to close my doors. I'm going to open the doors of my heart and allow you to use me, allow you to speak through me, allow you to flow through me, maybe to pray for the sick again. Maybe step out of the boat. Maybe you prayed for someone and they didn't get healed. Man, I've, I've prayed for hundreds of people and they haven't been healed. But I've prayed for people and they have been healed. So don't let fear of failure stop you by being used by God. Then the third point is this, is that Paul describes these gifts of the Spirit as manifestations. They are something perceptible and perceivable by the human senses. So we can see them. We can touch, we can, we can hear, we can actually see a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit in the lives of every believer is invisible, 
But when these gifts operate, the Holy Spirit manifests his presence. I remember when I was a lot younger, I was uh, driving to uh, my connect group that I was running at the time. And on the way, I saw these two young guys walking on the side of the road. So I pulled over and I said to them, I said, hey, how would you guys like to encounter God tonight? And I said, why don't you come to this group? We've just around the corner. I can give you a lift. And you can come and you can see what we Christians get up to and, and you'll encounter God. And amazingly, they said, yes, they'll come. So they came to the group and we started off with worship and we were busy playing a few songs. And then I noticed one of the guys actually got up and he left the room. And I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on with this guy. And so I ended the song and I went looking for the guy and I found him in one of the bedrooms crying. And I said to him, what's wrong? And he said, he said I can feel the presence of God in that meeting and I don't know what to do. And he was just overwhelmed by the manifestation of God's presence. And this is what the gifts of the Holy Spirit do. They manifest the presence of God and so people are confronted with the reality that, hey, God is real. God knows the secrets of my heart. I can feel his presence. I can see him healing the sick. I hear tongues and interpretation. I hear a prophetic word. I, I receive a word of knowledge or something like that. How would God know what's going on in my life? They manifest the presence of God. They make God real to people. And that's the wonderful thing about the gifts. And that's why we should embrace them. Then the next thing is that it flows on from this point is that the gifts are supernatural. So not only is it a manifestation of an invisible God, but they are actually supernatural. They take us beyond our natural abilities and into a totally supernatural realm. None of these gifts are possible without the Holy Spirit, without God working through us. So for instance, when we're talking a little bit later, we'll get into this, when we go through each gift, when we talk about the gift of wisdom, we're not talking about a wisdom that comes from experience in life. So you can, you can operate in the gift of wisdom and be a young Christian or be a young person. It's got nothing to do with age. It's a supernatural gift that the Holy Spirit gives. He can give wisdom to a 15-year-old person. You don't have to be in your 50s and 60s to operate in the gift of wisdom. In fact, sometimes that can be more of a hindrance because you're fighting against your flesh and what the Holy Spirit is trying to do through you. So remember that these gifts are supernatural gifts. Man, I, I'm getting excited. I hope that you're sitting in your in your lounge or wherever you're listening to this message, and I hope something is stirring within you. I hope the the Lord is speaking to you and he's, he's stirring up something within you where you, there's a desire, there's a thirst to be used by God. Because I'm telling you, God wants to use you. Don't shut him off. Don't close the door on God. Don't say, oh, well, you know, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. It's too terrifying. It's too frightening. Or there's too much excess or whatever it is. Allow God to speak to you and open the door and say, God, I want the genuine, I want you to flow through my life. I really believe 
God is touching lives right now and that he's speaking to you in your hearts and he's saying, hey, I want to use you. You have a part to play in the advancement of my kingdom. Then just before I get into the purposes of the gifts, uh, you can break the gifts into three categories. So you've got the gifts of wisdom, which is the word of wisdom, the word of prophecy, and the discernment of spirits. That's supernatural wisdom, things that we would never know about. That's how God works in those gifts. And then there's the gifts of power, which are faith, miracles, and healing. Those are the power gifts. And then there's the vocal gifts, which is tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. So you can break the gifts up into those three categories. But now I want to talk about the purpose of the gift. Why does the Holy Spirit give these gifts? What's the purpose behind these gifts? And I've got four points as well. Number one is that the gifts make room for God's sovereignty. God has not left his church solely in the hands of human leaders. He he wants to be able to break in and lead his church when he wants to. It's not just up to human leaders to decide what to do, where to go, how to do this, how to do the next thing. What the gifts do is they provide God with an opportunity to break in and do something sovereign where it's not a human decision. It's actually God breaking in and doing something that he wants to do. And there have been a few times in, uh, in my life and in, in the life of, of the leadership of New Gen, where God has done this, where he has actually come in and through the use of the gifts, he's directed us in a path that otherwise we would have never have been down before. And I remember a time when we were praying as an eldership team and we were, we were praying over the church. And at that time, there, would, there just seemed to be a lot of really... Uh, kind of people struggling in the church. There were a lot of problems. And we were just struggling to see breakthrough in the church. And while we were praying, uh, I suddenly felt God say to me that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual powers of wickedness. And so I just said to the elders, let's just pray. I really feel God saying that we're fighting a spiritual battle here. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what kind of spiritual force we're up against so that we can pray effectively into this thing. So we began to pray and immediately I saw the word rebellion. And as I saw that word, I saw like a dark spirit suddenly turn around and look at me like it had been discovered. And so I just said to the eldership team, hey, I believe that what we're facing here is a spirit of rebellion. And that is actually involved in the life of the church. It's causing a lot of problems. And so I said, let's just pray. Let's pray that God breaks the power and the influence of this spirit in the life of the church. And so we began to pray. And we prayed for a couple, you know, a couple of minutes into it. And we felt like, okay, that's, that's the job done. And then what we noticed in the following weeks, maybe in the next two or three weeks, suddenly people were having breakthroughs in their life. Suddenly people who were kind of uh, falling away from God turned to God and came back to Him. And it was all because of a gift of the Spirit where God was able to break in and sovereignly lead us. Where we would have been totally clueless God broke in and he said, actually, there's something going on here that I want to show you. You see, at the end of the day, New Gen City Church is not my church. It's Jesus' church. 
And Jesus wants to step in and lead his church. Yes, there are leaders in place, but God needs to be able to step in whenever he wants and bring a sovereign direction. And that's where the gift of the Spirit come in. So that, that's the first point, is that the gifts make room for God's sovereignty. Then the second point is that the gifts lift us above the realm of our natural ability. Christianity is a supernatural faith. In fact, if you took every reference of the supernatural out of the book of Acts, you would, there wouldn't be a single chapter left unaffected. If you took the supernatural out of the early church, there would be pretty much non it would be pretty much a non-existent church. And I want to ask you this question: If God removed the Holy Spirit from your church or from your life, what difference would there be? Would there be any change, or would you carry on your life the same as you've always done? doing the same things every day. But if, if God is moving in a supernatural way through your life and he removed the Holy Spirit, a large chunk of our life should be affected. It should be different because God has called us to live supernatural lives. If we're living just on the natural plane, then we are living substandard to what God wants us to live. He wants us to live supernatural lives. And that's why the gifts of the Spirit are crucial in the life of Christians. See, many Christians are frightened by the supernatural or we're put off because of people operating in the flesh. They're saying they're operating in the gift of the Spirit. Meanwhile, they're not. It's just fleshly nonsense. And if I think back over my life, I think I've seen every single one of these gifts listed here either abused or operated in the flesh in a wrong way. All the gifts, I've seen it happen. And yet I don't reject them because of what's happened. Because on the other side of the coin, I've seen all these gifts operate out of, a, out of a proper place of being led by the Holy Spirit. And I've seen them make incredible impact into the lives of people. I've seen accurate prophecies. I've seen people healed. I've seen tongues and interpretation of tongues. I've seen signs and wonders and miracles, the release of faith. Words of knowledge, like where people would, would give a word of knowledge over someone they didn't know and accurately describe what was going on in their life. But, all be, but because I've had some bad experiences, I don't throw all the gifts out and say, well, I don't want anything to do with it. I go, no, I, I, I reject the bad, but I want the good. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9, 19 and 21, Paul says this, he says, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Hold on to what is good. In other words, don't reject the Holy Spirit when you have a bad experience. Instead, test things and hold on to the good. I think too often Christians are throwing away the good when we have a bad experience. But the Lord doesn't give us that option. He says, if you have a bad experience, hold on to the good. Test what is said and hold on to the good. I've had people prophesy absolute rubbish over me. In fact, I've had prophecies, well, so-called prophecies given to me, 
We have looked at it and gone, that's not even scriptural. It's not even in the Bible. So I reject that. I'm not receiving that word. But I don't reject prophecy because of it. I test what's said. And then I go, okay, well, that's not of God, so I reject it. But I still want genuine prophecy. I still want to embrace prophecy in my life. So the gifts lift us above the realm of the natural into the supernatural realm. And then the third thing, the third purpose of the gifts, is that the gifts confirm our testimony of Jesus Christ. The gifts confirm our testimony of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Verse 4 to 8. Paul says, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. He's here specifically talking about the vocal gifts or the, or the, um, the revelatory gifts. Words of knowledge, words of prophecy, words of wisdom. This confirms what I told you about Christ, about Christ is true. And now that you have every spiritual gift you need, as you eagerly await for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our, our Lord Jesus Christ returns. So Paul is actually saying, I thank the Lord that you have every single spiritual gift. And he particularly mentions those gifts of speech and the gifts of knowledge. And it's because of these that the testimony of Christ is confirmed among them. See, part of the testimony that we share about Jesus, when you share your testimony about Jesus, what you're saying is, yes, Jesus hung on the cross, he died, he was buried, he rose again. But, but because he rose, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. That's part of the, the testimony that we have. And when people see the manifestation of the Spirit, they go, oh, okay, what you're saying is true because you said Jesus rose, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he said that he would send the Holy Spirit. And so when we see the manifestation of the gift of the Spirit, we're confirming that testimony about Jesus. Also, I want to just add in something here, is that the Corinthian Christians had all these gifts, and they weren't lacking and they were eagerly awaiting for the return of Jesus. It says, it says in, uh, in, in verse 7 and 8, it says, Now you have every spiritual gift as you eagerly await for the return of our Lord Jesus. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on that day when our Lord Jesus returns. So very clearly here, these gifts of the Spirit are going to continue until the Lord Jesus returns. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8 to 10 says, Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. So these gifts will actually become useless one day, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of what the whole picture is. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Now, some Christians have said, well, the time of perfection has already come because the time of perfection is when the New Testament was complete. 
But I want to say here, the time of perfection will come when Jesus returns. These Corinthian Christians, Paul is saying, the gifts are going to concern while you eagerly wait for the return of Jesus. It's when we see Jesus face to face, when he returns, then we won't need prophecy. We won't need uh, healing and all these other gifts because then we are, our salvation is going to be made complete. The last point is this. The purpose, the final purpose of the gift of the Holy Spirit is that they enable all believers to contribute for the common good. Every single one of you can play a part because of the Holy Spirit in you. It's not about whether you know a lot of things. It's not about whether you kind of are experienced in whatever you're doing. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to minister through you. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26 says this. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. We read this earlier. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. These gifts are not given to make you look good. They are given to strengthen the church. They are given for the common good. But God wants to use all of you. And this is something absolutely wonderful for me. It really is. Being a part of the body and contributing to the growth and the well-being of the body is available to every believer through the Holy Spirit. And that's a wonderful blessing from the Lord. It's a wonderful privilege and a wonderful opportunity. So don't take these gifts lightly and please don't abuse them. Take them seriously. Spend time with the Lord and eagerly desire to be used by God. Get into His presence and say, God, I don't want to use these gifts to make me look good. I don't want to grab the mic and bring a prophecy to put my name in lights. I want the church, the common good. I want the people to be encouraged. I want Jesus to be glorified. So let's, let's not let maturity be a limiting factor here. Let's trust God today that he can fill you with his Holy Spirit and he can use you in powerful ways. Okay, so that's the end of my message and I want to pray for you now. And I've, I've been praying a lot into this time and I'm believing that God is going to touch you right where you're at. Right in your lounge, right in your bedroom, right outside, if you're sitting outside, if you're on the veranda, wherever you are, God wants to touch you right now. Do you have faith for that? Can you believe that he can actually reach through this message to you? Because the Holy Spirit is in you and he wants to touch you. He wants rivers of living water to flow from within you so that you can be a blessing to the church for the common good, so that you can help, you can play your part. Are you open to that? Are you thirsty for God this morning? Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. If you're not thirsty this morning, you don't qualify. You need to come before the Lord and say, God, produce a thirst in me. I want to thirst for these, these gifts. I want to be hungry. I want to be desperate for the Holy Spirit in my life. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you were filled with the Holy Spirit? If your answer is longer than yesterday, it's too long. We need to be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't say, well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit 
last year or 10 years ago, praise God, I've received the gift of tongues. And we need to be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Think of it not like a cup filled with water. Think of it like a sail on a ship filled with air. That sail must be constantly filled with air to keep that ship moving forward. The minute the wind stops, the ship stops. And I, I, want to, I want us to view the Holy Spirit like that, where we are constantly receiving from Him so that rivers of living water can flow from within us. Think about a river. What river flows once a week? What kind of a river does that? What kind of a river flows once a year or once in a lifetime? Maybe you were filled way back. God wants rivers of living water to flow all the time from within our lives. And so I want to pray right now. And if you have faith for this, receive the Holy Spirit. Let those rivers of living water flow up from within you so that you can be a blessing to the people around you. So if, if that's you, I want to pray for you now. I want you to pray with me and be open and receive from the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord Jesus, you are the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. You said that when you ascend to heaven, you're going to ask the Father and you're going to send the Holy Spirit. And your word says that the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon all people. And Lord, there's no one that's excluded from that. Anyone that is thirsty, anyone that is hungry, anyone that puts their hand up and says, God, I'm available, they can receive the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be poured out upon every person that's listening to this message. I pray that they would be filled with power from on high. I pray that you would electrify their lives, that you would take them into a supernatural realm where they would be used in the gifts of the Spirit to do things that are beyond their natural ability. You would take their lives from being just natural to being supernatural lives, where they would be used by you to give words of knowledge or words of wisdom or prophetic words or to lay their hands on the sick and see them healed. Lord, I pray for miracles to take place. I pray this week we would have so many testimonies of how you've broken in on our lives and that river has flowed from us into the lives of other people. I pray that there would be a faith released and an expectation for you to use us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.